This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Well, this segment is sponsored by John Dillon and the Dillon Law Group. If you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call attorney John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that you are that your guns are California compliant. Call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. You can call him direct at 760-642-7150. Or you can visit his website at DillonLawGP.com. And make sure you heard it right here on Gun Owners Radio. Another f- smart idea, folks. You can tune into the YouTube live stream at youtube.com slash gun owners radio. And do us a favor and hit the like button and subscribe button to support the show and tell all your friends. All right, Mike, who you got for a call in? Well, first, I wanted to uh, do a little quick shout out to Melissa. Our, our, oh, our yes. Yep, yeah. She's recovering um from uh from covid COVID. is she listening let's hope she's listening i hope she's she better be listening you better be listening Yeah, it's not like she has anything to do but lay there and recover right yeah and eat all that fine food at the hospital (laughs) that's right so melissa if you're listening we're all uh thinking about you and can't wait for you to get all better real soon yeah big hugs from the big group okay so everybody heard last week (laughs) that the um adult entertainment businesses which I don't, I don't know what those are. Joe said he'd explain it to me. Joe later. knows all I don't about know it. What the- <laughs> Show me those pictures again. <laughs> anyway, right. the adult entertainment uh, facilities across San Diego went to court, and the judge ended up saying, hey, you guys can open, and restaurants can open, and then they close. Anyway, there's this, this, this legal roller coaster that's been going no on. Kidding. And the attorney who is fighting on their behalf guy named Jason Sacuzo, who's somebody that has been in Second Amendment activism for years. I've known him for uh, years as, as a good friend and then a fellow activist as well. He was around when uh, San Diego County Gun Owners started, and he's a really good dude. Um, and he, he, he won the case, and then, well, let's bring him on the line. Yeah, let's let, let let's him bring tell him on the story. Explain it. But we wanted him to come on so we could hear it right from the horse's mouth. So, Jason, are you there? I'm here. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. Well, thank you so good much job. for for joining us. Congratulations. Although I, you know, I, I know, you, well, I know there are things you can and can't say about the case. We've, like I said, we've interviewed a lot of attorneys, and we know that there are certain things you can and can't say. So I think what we want to do is, if you could, just kind of bring us through the timeline and tell us what what has happened and where we are now. Sure. So um, you know, just to kind of briefly recap. Um, Going back to uh, you know late summer, early fall, uh, when when uh, the rules started to loosen up for restaurants, um, Pacers and Cheetahs, which have restaurants attached to them, uh, opened up, um, only to be met with uh, cease and desist orders saying that uh, we could not have any live adult entertainment. Um, 
you know, our response to that was that was an infringement upon the First Amendment rights of, of Pacers and Cheetahs. Uh, so we filed a lawsuit to seek an injunction preventing uh, either the state or the county from stopping us from having live adult entertainment. And on November 2nd, uh, I'm sorry, November 6th, uh, the trial court issued a temporary restraining order uh, pending the issuance of a preliminary injunction, uh, allowing us to uh, continue with live adult entertainment and the associated uh, restaurant operations. Um, and in fact, interestingly, uh, the the uh, state of California stipulated to extend that TRO um, because of new guidance that was ultimately adopted by the state that would allow live live entertainment. Um, so, in the interim, though, on December third, as we all may recall, uh, Governor Newsom issued that uh, that further um, uh, stay at home order, which essentially blocked. Uh, in, in, in blocked outdoor restaurant dining. Um, ironically, at this time, the state was arguing that our entire case was moot because they had changed the rules for live entertainment, but at the same time, uh, they were saying that we couldn't have live entertainment. Uh, we made that argument to the trial judge at the hearing at the preliminary injunction, and the trial judge agreed that none of this was moot. Um, and in fact, one of the standards for mootness is whether or not the the dispute can reoccur. And certainly, with the sort of roller coaster of uh, uh, injunctions and, and cease and desist and other restrictions being uh, placed by governmental authorities on businesses, um, it, it was not a moot issue. And the court issued the preliminary injunction last week has got a lot of publicity on that. The preliminary injunction, which in, in very basic layman terms, meant that they could no longer enforce uh, the the ban on restaurants, right? Right, right. Well, it, it was it was it was that, and it could not enforce the ban on live adult entertainment, uh, which was the the sort of the genesis of our lawsuit. But obviously, things have expanded uh, quite a bit. Um, and incidentally, um, it, it was actually. The, the defendants of the case had interjected uh, this whole restaurant issue into our case by bringing up the Cowboy Star case into our case uh, and putting at evidence uh, uh, the arguments in that case, in our case, that was, was you know, the, the Cowboy Star case being more focused on the restaurants. Uh, so interestingly that they were, you know, kind of surprised having interjected that issue into our case that the court would actually rule on it. Uh, but as we all know, the court did uh, weigh in on that issue and not only enjoined uh, uh, the state and the county from I- interfering with our First Amendment rights as it pertains to, to live adult entertainment, but also allowing the restaurants to reopen. And the connection and, there is you only represent uh, uh, the two adult entertainment facilities, but the connection to restaurants is that I guess both of them have a restaurant. Is that accurate? That's well, just for clarification, I, I only represent Pacers Showgirls International. Uh, Cheetahs is represented by uh, Steve Hoffman, uh, but correct. Both facilities have restaurants that are attached to them, and uh, you know, know obviously, yes. Yeah, so they both, yeah, they're both restaurants. See what that menu has. Uh, <laughs> that would be interesting. But anyway, <laughs> all right. So okay, so yeah. they said, hey, look, li- you know, adult entertainment is, you know, is you can no longer enforce that ban, and oh by the way, they happen to have restaurants attached, so you can no longer enforce that ban, and that applies to every restaurant in San Diego. Is that right. is that kind of absolutely okay? Right. So then, and then I've, as we all heard on late Friday afternoon, uh, the state filed a uh, emergency application. 
which you know we were unable to respond to given the timing of, of, of their submission. And the Court of Appeal issued a stay, essentially hitting the pause button on the operation of the uh, preliminary injunction. So we have uh, till Wednesday at noon to file a response, and we're, we've been busily working all weekend long to uh, get that in order. And we, we intend to request the uh, uh, appellate court to uh, lift the stay so that restaurants and obviously uh, adult entertainment establishments can uh, reopen and be under the protection of the preliminary injunction, which yeah, was issued. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so yeah, so for one, basically one or two days, they're, they're, they could have, you can well, have restaurants. So, Jason, where are the restaurants in the, in the entertainment industry today? Are they open or are they closed? Well, they, they are closed today um, simply because if you right now under the rules, we're all subject to that December 3rd order of Governor, Governor Newsom. Okay. Um, and, and certainly, you know, everybody's been making their own decisions as to whether or not they're going to abide by that. But um, you know, certainly there's there's potential consequences if if uh, the authorities seek to enforce those rules. Uh, interestingly, uh, from what I understand from the county, is that they're not going to oppose the part of our case that pertains to the restaurants. Uh, we may still be fighting on the, the issue of live adult entertainment, but it sounds like the county is essentially siding with us uh, that restaurants should be open. Yeah, uh, and the only reason I say where I live, it's a very small community and we have a small handful of restaurants. And none of them are abiding by this this ruling. They're all open. They're still doing your distancing. You still can't mm-hmm. sit super close. They do have outdoor dining if you choose. You do have to wear a mask, but they're not stopping. In fact, Friday, it was the weirdest thing. When you guys got yours, two trucks showed up at this one restaurant. They were unloading pallets after pallets after pallets of food. And then that afternoon, they were told they had to shut it all down. Well, you can imagine the thousands of dollars of food that they ordered, and they basically said no. One of the people came in and asked the the lady asked the owner, "Are you going to comply?" She says, well, "I don't really know." She goes, "Well, you have to tell me." Okay, no. Here's my business card. So she hung a cease and desist order on the front. My friend went out, took the cease and desist order, ripped it off the wall, wadded it up, and threw it at her. Good for them. So there you go. Well, thank well, you so much for the update. Yeah, you Jason. got it, really man. I wish we had it. more time because I, I All mean, right, but no you, problem, guys. but you got to keep us up to breast on this because there's a lot of lives, you know, hanging out there, you know, small businesses, and I mean, it, it's just, it's just insane. Jason, thank you very <laughs> much, and you have a very merry Christmas. You too. Take care. Thank you. That was a little nod to the yeah, adult no, entertainment. Keep us up to breast, huh? All right. Well. Oh, I didn't even I like think that. about that, but that's good, though. <laughs> Write that down. Something. Did you hit that five-second button? No. All right, folks, this is Cut Owners Radio right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. There's more Gun Owners Radio with Dave, Joe, and Michael to come on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, educating you on your Second Amendment right. Now, here are your hosts of Gun Owners Radio, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, we are proud to welcome the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner to San Diego County Gun Owners. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates. 
offers elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors and provides rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Learn more about them at National Concealed Carry Association.com. All right, who's our next guest, sir? So, uh, Rich found this really cool organization called Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership, hmm. um, It's uh, which is DRGO. I wonder if they pronounce it. We're going to have to ask if they call it Dr. Go. Um, but it's DRGO, Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership. Uh, his response, uh, excuse me, his uh, project launched in 94 in response to a coordinated public health campaign against gun rights. So we have Dr. Robert Young, who is a practicing uh, psychiatrist, and uh, he is with Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership. We had him, we're having him on the show here to, to talk more about the organization. Doctor, are you there? I am here. Very pleased to be, too. Thank you. You bet. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, DRGO, uh, Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership. Well, that's hard. Is it okay if I tell you a lot about it? Sure. Please do. Okay. Good. As, as you said, uh, the organization began in 1994. Oh, by the way, can you hear me okay? Perfectly. Sounds great. I'm trying a new headphone and mic. Good. Began in 1994 uh, at the time that the Dickey Amendment was being considered by Congress. And our founder, Tim Wheeler, uh, along with several other then activist physicians, um, went to Congress to testify before the subcommittee considering this. Um, he had previously been very disappointed in his own California Medical Association, which was developing a uh, statement on, on guns. He submitted a lot of material to them. These are the days of facts. He'd check on it. They'd say, oh, didn't receive it. Why don't you send it again? He did this like three or four times before he realized that they, they did not want to know what he had to say. Mm. Mm. Uh, and he had to say the things that we know were true, that guns are not bad, that gun owners are good, that the problems are elsewhere. Now, can you tell everybody what the, the Dickey Amendment is? Sure thing. Um, that's the amendment that's still, uh, still in, uh, in, uh, in play. That came about in 95 as a result of this testimony, which forbade the CDC, uh, and later NIH, uh, too, was added, from uh, agenda-driven anti-gun propagandizing. It did not forbid research whatsoever, which is a, uh, a lie that the anti-gun people have used ever since. Oh, the Dickey Amendment, it keeps the federal government from uh, doing any research on this important uh, public health issue. Well, no, it doesn't. It's up to Congress and the President every year to decide to approve funding or not. But at the time, and this is, again, what kicked off this uh, movement among uh, the small group of doctors who think for themselves, the CDC and many of the leaders of, in organized me medicine and pediatrics especially, but also the AMA, later my own group, the uh, Psychiatric Association, all uh, took the position that uh, we have to get rid of guns. And that was actually uh, a publicized propaganda point by the CDC in, in advising the American public. Uh, we still have copies of some of their literature 
on our website. You can't find it at CDC anymore. And and Dr. Young, you mentioned the AMA uh, yes. basically taking the position that we, you know we have to get rid of guns. And I, I my father's a doctor. <laughs> I'm very familiar with the AMA and the Journal of American Medical Association. Uh, he sends me all kinds of uh, uh, you know literature and propaganda they put out that's anti-gun. But could you just explain just how big and important the AMA is in the United States when it comes to uh, doctors and uh, medical uh, industry? Well, they're very self-important. They actually are not important <laughs> particularly among physicians anymore. Uh, only around 20% of physicians in this country belong to the AMA. Now, a lot of them have decided to belong to their specialty associations instead. I belong to both, uh, which used to be the standard. They, uh, there was one time back in the 60s, they probably had the majority of physicians as members. So they claim to speak for all physicians in America. They, by, by any standard, they really don't. However, they appear to, um, and in terms of groups being recognized uh, for all physicians, they kind of... They're not the number one thing people turn to anyway. So that that's they are important uh, in public in a public sense. They're not important uh, to us physicians by and large. Now, and you're a practicing psychiatrist, and yes, it says here in your bio uh, that you know the dangers of encountering violent or mentally unbalanced patients or their family members. Uh, yes, so tell me, how did you get involved? Being a psychiatrist. Uh, how did you get involved in uh, in you know in this uh, yeah. you know melding of uh, Second Amendment and, and healthcare? Yeah. Uh, you know, well, Dr. Wheeler had had run has had run this until actually just several years ago, and uh, he had some colleagues at first. Uh, by the uh, late aughts, he uh, his colleagues had kind of aged out. He was kind of doing it all by himself. Now I I grew up. With guns, I grew up in the Ozarks of Missouri, rural, uh, rural suburban lifestyle. Nothing, nothing strange about it. I, I had my first rifle at 15. Had BB guns before that. Um, and I, as I uh, moved to New York for training, I stayed here. Um, and then around uh, the year 2000 or so, I started wondering. Well, you know, why don't I get a permit? Because that's just another right I should exercise. Oh, two, I got my permit. With that, in, in New York, it's a pistol permit, not a rifle or shotgun permit yet. I uh, got that, and um, then I started getting interested in the subject. I am 65 now. Around 55, I started casting around for something I could do beyond the local administrative and teaching and things that I've done uh, to see if I could leave a mark on the nation. Now, that's, a, that's quite a, <laughs> a self-aggrandizing position, but I wanted to started looking into this, and I realized there was one big, uh, strange thing about all the research about guns. None of the, none of the research considered in any way at all whether guns were a benefit. Now, that's very strange in researching anything. You always look at risks versus benefits in medicine. So I decided to do a little reading, and I discovered what we all know, that in fact the data shows that guns are used far more in self-defense and successfully than they hurt anybody. And hurting people uh, considered homicide primarily or accidents, uh, really, it's really not that many people a year. So I began reading, I found DRGO. I called up Dr. Wheeler. We had some great talks. 
uh, where he was trying to convince me that the uh, powers that be were really anti-gun. And I, I was thinking, God, can, they can't really be, can they? Well, I, I came around because that's the only, they are. Um, they aren't stupid. Um, they aren't, uh, they, they know their way around politics and, and PR. It must be a prejudice, and it sure is, because all the data supports the value of guns in American society, and that's entirely aside from the fact that it's, it is the expression of a natural right that's constitutionally protected. Well, and the data and, shows and, that they're good to have around, and it is absolutely a a, a bias or a prejudice. The uh, uh, the uh, one, at least one of the people that Biden is considering uh, for the attorney general has called it a, a you know a healthcare crisis. Now, mm-hmm. you as a as a healthcare professional and, and as a part of uh, Doctors uh, for Responsible Gun Ownership. I was looking at some of the positions you guys took, and it's it's mm-hmm. really fantastic stuff. You guys hit on Thank all you. the important th- uh, things that have to do with healthcare and gun ownership. Mm-hmm. And under your position statements, you talk about guns and public health, gun mm-hmm. safety, mm-hmm. gun research, mm-hmm. uh, the gun question, EMRs and guns, suppressors mm-hmm. and hearings, uh, mm-hmm. protective orders. Now, protective mm-hmm. orders. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about protective orders. What does that mean? Well, I think the more common word uh, phrase nowadays is red flag laws, where uh, people can be designated as having the right to report on someone who seems dangerous. The state then will have the right, based on a judge's decision, to confiscate the person's guns. This This whole thing is beyond absurd. Um, yeah, generally, and it was very, very interesting. It was an interesting read, but generally, what is the position of Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership on, on these protective orders or, or the red flag laws? We're all for catching people who are potentially violent to themselves or others. It's very important. But number one, if you're only grabbing their guns, that doesn't change much of anything. It's not that they can't get another, and it's not that they can't do harm in a lot of different ways. They need to be assessed and treated. That's what's needed, not stealing their property. Good point. Beyond that, um, just like with domestic uh, violence restraining orders, there's a lot of room for abuse of this. People can uh, play out their vendettas against their neighbor or their ex-boyfriend or somebody like that. And there are not penalties commensurate with the burden placed on the subject for people falsely reporting. in addition, once the police say take the guns, then the question is, what does it take to get them back? Well, it ultimately takes your money by hiring your lawyers, spending months, if not years, uh, fighting this. And you don't know what condition they're going to be in when they get back because there's no requirements for them to be safely kept. And uh, they've already been lost or, or damaged. So. There is almost nothing good about this. Really, Weird. truly. And we've seen it locally. Um, I've, I've had a lot of contact from people who've uh, basically, you know, the, the powers that be have abused their gun violence restraining order powers. So we're talking with Dr. Robert Young. He's with Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership. Uh, we're going to go to break here. But when we get back, we're going to talk about the top three myths. <laughs> I'm going to have you uh, explain to us what the top three myths are from, from your perspective. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, some. Of, you're going to give some advice for gun owners on how to respond to inappropriate questions sure. from, from physicians cool. when they visit their uh, doctor yeah. or, or, or yeah. whatever. 
All right. So let's well, start there, and then we'll, we'll start rolling through well, as many myths as we can talk about, because there are dozens. All right. Perfect. Well, we got to go pay some bills right now, sir, so stick with us. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. Welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio on FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All now. Hey, let me turn the page here. Hey, the California assault weapon law makes it almost impossible to own an AR rifle, style rifle. What's the solution? Buy a Cali key for your rifle. Cali key converts any mil spec direct impingement AR 15 or 10 into a bolt action rifle so it can have all the features without being considered an assault weapon. It's a true drop-in solution. No milling, no aesthetic modifications, and no turning off your gas system. Keep your entire AR collection intact at a price you can afford with Cali Key. Check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. And for those of you watching our show online, please hit that like button and subscribe. All right, we're going to get back to Dr. Robert Young. From the Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership. Before I do, I just want to do a shout-out to everybody that's watching us and listening to us on youtube especially eric thanks eric thanks everybody for listening so dr young we wanted to talk about we wanted to talk about a couple things and i think you wanted to start with the advice for gun owners about how to respond to inappropriate questions from doctors right if uh you go to our website drgo.us one of the things you'll see at the very top is a link what to do when your doctor asks about guns and that's a big problem nowadays because of the electronic medical record. Uh, these get standardized in order to include every single question that every insurer, every medical association, um, every state education department, Department of Health demands be in there. Uh, so there's an awful lot of stuff that's totally irrelevant to your health and medical care. Among them is a question about do you own guns, which obviously can lead into the conversation they love to have uh, about how dangerous guns are and how you have to keep them all locked up with trigger locks and barrel locks and inside a safe where nobody has a key, um, and you should get rid of them. Pediatrics still says officially the safest home is a home without a firearm. Now, uh, now before, before these you, people before, live in the inner city, of course. Before you go any further on that, do, so, do they? Is there are there other? You said there's a whole host of questions, but is there anything similar? Any other kind of similar product that they ask about, like I don't know, dangerous chemicals or backyard pools or chainsaws, or is it really truly this is yeah. this is unique to gun ownership? Well, they they may. Um, pediatricians in particular try to ask about all those things be, because they want to be sure parents are responsible. But this question about guns is particularly inappropriate. Swimming pools, yeah, they're very dangerous. Vastly more people die in swimming pools than than, uh, are are killed by guns in any event. Um, But a doctor shouldn't be asking about this because it has nothing to do with your medical care. If they do, we consider it a boundary violation. That's when a doctor is stepping beyond his or her professional role, uh, 
to advocate for personal uh, positions, political positions. Um, you have a, you have a right to refuse to answer. Now, and doctors generally will not uh, that will not bother them. As I pointed out about the AMA, most doctors don't want to be part of this uh, this political conflict. They just want to treat their patients. If you find one that pressures you, then uh, they're they're going out of bounds. If you read our article, you can see you're welcome to do things like complain to the state medical society, complain to the state licensing uh, d- division, uh, and things like that. My advice is get another doctor uh, because you, you can't necessarily convince them otherwise. And there are lots of doctors who won't do that to you. That's another thing we do. You'll see again at the top of our page, drgo.us, uh, an option to ask us to connect you with a gun-friendly medical provider. Oh, that's 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 cool. All right, so if you go to your website, you guys actually have a list of, of, of gun-friendly no. or Second Amendment-friendly uh, medical no. providers. But no, we don't have a list because we don't want uh, non-gun sympathy, sympathetic people to see that list. Gotcha, okay. We uh, But we will hook you up with somebody if we have somebody within X number of miles before you live if you ask us. Okay. We are. We're, it's a work in progress. We've been doing this for a few years. We don't have nearly enough providers everywhere, but it's gradually becoming more and more possible to hook people up. And we can't tell you unless you ask. If we can't, we'll t- we'll tell you we can't. But. So you you go to the doctor, or you take your kid to the doctor, and they say, "Hey, do you go? Do you own guns? Uh, what is what do you what is your advice to uh, for to as far as what to respond or how to respond?" Well, uh, you know, you have to decide for yourself. A lot of people just lie, say, no, you know, there's always the boating accident to refer to. Yeah, I, I tell my dentist people, I floss, so I can easily tell right. my, yeah. <laughs> my doctor, it's I don't okay know. To, I guess. It's a, at this point in history, it's okay to say so, but the problem is this record is permanent. So once you've said so, somewhere in a database that is accessible, ultimately, uh, to government, authorities, you are down as a gun owner. You uh, can't, some people favor uh, asking a question and return back. So, oh, really? You want to know, do I have guns? Well, you know, I'm curious, do you ever do anal sex? It's an equally impertinent, uh, inappropriate question, or or your variation on that, you know. People can do a lot of different things, but... uh, you don't have to answer that question. Interesting. That's the main message. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the top three myths. Um, <laughs> well, well, let's see. Uh, <laughs> at the beginning of things, around 1990, there was this guy named Kellerman who uh, did a study that's still quoted by the uh, bad guys that you're, there's a 40, 40 times the risk of uh, someone dying uh, of gunshot if if there's a gun in the house. Mm. That's absurd on the face of it. This brought out a lot of of contradictory evidence and uh, discussion. It's been long discredited. Uh, this guy, uh, he went around asking neighbors if they thought there was a gun in the household where somebody had died. Uh, he did not bother to discriminate between guns that, say, a shooter had brought in. He, he didn't. He never established whether these are guns owned by someone who lives in the household. 
this thing was a farce. I had been through the paper myself, and I get down to something less than a 1% increase in risk if once I throw out all of his bad data and bad assumptions. Okay, so myth number one is that you're 40 times more likely to, to be shot yeah. if there's a gun in the house? <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. myth number one, it's, it's totally debunked. At all. Yeah. Bad Obviously, science. It's a little more likely, but, but no, no. Myth uh, number, number two. One. Yeah, late in the late 90s. Um, as we know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Florida State, oh, darn, I cannot remember his name. Gleck. Okay. Kleck, Gary Kleck, thank you, yeah, my God. So he, he came out with a survey showing that people uh, report using guns at a rate that, for self-defense at a rate of up to two and a half million a year at that point. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that was just considered absurd, god-awful, uh, totally... Uh, uh, totally stupid. Now, what he only found out last year, and, and, and I mean, we've all seen confirmation of this, so we know it's true. But last year, he discovered that the CDC, two years after he published his work in the 1990s, added a question about this to one of their standard population surveys. And they found out, what they found out confirmed what uh, Kleck said. Uh, they they got a number somewhere between uh, one and two million. They did not publish that. They did not reference that. This is the same CDC that had been putting down gun ownership. Clearly, they decided to do a survey to see if they could contradict his findings. It turned out it confirmed it, and that thing disappeared for over 20 years. Wow. Okay. So so basically, there's fewer than 30,000, if you include suicide, fewer than 30,000 deaths where a gun yeah. is used uh, per year in the United yeah. States. However, there's well over 2 million uh, uh, defensive gun uses, I believe was the term he used, which means that you've used a gun in some way uh, to defend from serious attack or, 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 or murder, correct? Right, right. And a lot of people who do that say it was life-saving. Now, yeah. this is nothing you can pin down fully, but I, I've been through this in one of the articles I've posted on DG, DRGO, considering, well, how many assaults end up being uh, injuring or, or cause death. If you consider the number of defensive gun uses, the fact is, of those, the proportion that otherwise might end up in that vastly exceed the 10,000 murders. That's really what you're looking at. But if you want the 30,000 or so gun deaths, which include suicides and accidents, right. it's so facto. There you go. That's and what's all there the, is to it. And what's the, true. what's the third myth? A third, just a third one? Well, let's see. Later uh, in the early teens, there were a couple of studies that were uh, done uh, at this, roughly at the same time, Missouri uh, opened up its uh, permitting to go to uh, from May issue to shell issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connecticut went the other way. It went from uh, shell issue to May issue. Mm. The uh, two papers published showed that after this change in Missouri, uh, gun murders went up in Connecticut gun murders went down. Now, these are true facts. So, uh, obviously, it's a bad thing to have looser uh, permitting laws, right? Well, depending on who you ask, but no, I'd say it's it's a better thing. Yeah. Uh, Now, again, it's it's a right. They should all be shell issue. Of course they should. Right. But simply based on data, 
which is which is what we look at when we're fighting these uh, presumptions. You have to look at the trends in Missouri. The trend, the rate of gun of murders using guns, uh, declined. They were still going up, but they went up at a slower rate after shell issue was put in place. So more guns, less crime. I, I think we've, we've definitely heard that before. Ultimately, that's true. In Connecticut, well, uh, gun murders were went down after they went to May issue. They were going down before at a faster rate than after they went May issue. Hmm. So if you're going to look at that point in time, in fact, each of these laws impacted the rate of gun deaths. Um, Missouri's positively with less, a lessened rate, and Connecticut gets badly with an increased, with a uh, an increased uh, rate restriction. Exactly, Doctor Young from Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership. What's your website? One more time, Doctor. Drgo.us. Please uh, take a look. Great. We uh, we write on it often. We republish other things. We do Facebook. That's Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership. Post several things a day, articles every week, um, and we're real active in a lot of other ways, yep. testimony and consulting to, and helping any other two A group with the data that we can analyze and provide. Well, All Doctor, right. appreciate your yeah, time very absolutely. much. Absolutely, yeah. Keep up the good work. We appreciate. It. We'll be talking to you down the road. I'm sure. Okay, thank you all. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks, hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170, The Answer. Well, Seal One is our newest sponsor, and we can't be happier. Clean lube and protect your guns faster and easier with Seal One. Seal One CLP Plus is an all-in-one solution that cleans, lubricates, and protects your guns. It's also natural, non-toxic, and environmentally friendly. Seal One was founded by a Navy SEAL here in San Diego, and all their products are made in the USA. Seal One is also a strong supporter of SCCGO. So we are very proud to have them on board. Clean your guns faster and better and with Seal One. Use the code GOR25. That's GOR25 for a 25% discount off your first order on their website at Seal One Net or Seal One.net. That's Seal One.net. Yeah. Who have you got coming on next? So it's it's kind of cool. I was uh, I was uh, you talking to your nephew? No, no, no. I was thumbing through uh, you know the news, and I saw I think it was on Fox News uh, that a 14 year old young lady uh, from Kansas uh, went hunting and harvested a 42 point buck. I don't think I've ever seen a 42 point buck. Was I, it alive? Or I was it stuffed? I didn't even understand it. So I said, all right, we we got to we got to get her on. So. My next guest is Paisley Worth from Kansas. Are you there, Paisley? Yes, I am. Fantastic. You're there, and Dad's on the line as well? Yes. Yep. Excellent. Well, thank you guys for being here. Paisley, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you. <laughs> hey, hey, Dad, is that, I mean, we don't have deer out here in San Diego unless it's in the zoo. Is a 42 point, is, is, is that some kind of a record? Well, it, it's one that has quite a few points. You know, uh, these non-typicals here in Kansas and, and the Plain States, they get quite a few points on them, but 42 is a lot of them that score. Wow. Just to let you know, I, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a hunter, um, and we don't, we don't have a lot of hunting in Southern California. There are a fair amount of hunters in the gun community, but a lot of them either, uh, you know, go out of state or yeah, they have to leave the state. But a typical Paisley, this isn't your first time hunting, right? No. So how? What's 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 typical? But tell everybody what that means. What does a 42 point buck mean? What does it mean to have a one or a two or a three point buck? What, tell everybody what that what that means. Well, um, a 42-point buck is really a lot, but it was a non-typical, so it had, like, more points on, like, different, like, each side was, like, different and had, it wasn't. Most of the time, a, a deer, you know, he'll have, like, five on each side, so it'd be a 10-pointer. And you're talking about antlers. Yeah, I was going to say, we better talk about what we're talking about. It's antlers. Antlers. So on antlers, yes, on his antlers. He'll usually have, you know, you'll have an eight-pointer, which has four on each side. Or, And this deer actually was a mainframe uh, 12-pointer. He had six points on each side. But then he just had a bunch of trash and little yeah. points and points going everywhere. Which added up to the 482. Yeah. But like, normal wow. bucks that, that we usually get are like, you know, 12 points, 10, 8 points. Which is good. I mean, yeah. an eight or a ten yeah. point buck is is good. That's, I thought that was the best of the best. I know people that would have a you know a, an eight point buck hanging on their wall and they'd brag about it the rest of their lives. And you have a forty two point buck. So are you going to put that guy on your wall? Yes. Heck yes. yeah! Right over my bed. <laughs> yeah. So so who saw, who saw the buck first? You or Dad? I saw it first on the hunt. But we've watched the deer for three years grow up. Really? Yes. Wow. So you saw it for three yeah. years. Year one, you saw it, and then did, did you just kind of say, "All right, well, let's leave this guy alone. Well, let's see what he does next year." Or what? How come? How come you tracked him for three yeah. years? Yeah. We we kind of have a good estimate on like guessing the age on deer, and we could tell he was about like three years old the first year we saw him. And for a three-year-old, he has a lot of potential in his antlers. And my dad saw it, and he and my older sister wanted. To now, four years old, her, her sister, sister wanted to shoot him because he was a seven by seven that but, year. But dad's like, he's four. He has two years of growing. He has he has some growing to do. I've never heard and, a hunter. What I've never heard a hunter do this. You know, and that's part of why I wanted to have uh, have Paisley and yeah, have him on. Is I don't think people understand exactly how much um, work, how how much <laughs> cultivating is really yeah. into. Uh, you know, they, yeah. when they talk about uh, you know uh, you know going hunting and shooting a deer, uh, they refer to it as harvesting, and I don't think people really understand. Mm -mm. You know, this is a deer they knew for three years. Oh yeah, there's that deer again. You know, they have a good idea what yeah. they're doing, where they're hunting. This is something that's very. Um, and so people don't get all teary-eyed. Tell them the damage that deer do. 
Well, deer in this part of the world, they get in our crops. They eat lots of, uh, you know, the different crops we're raising. Mm-hmm. Another problem we have with them is uh, the, the population, and, and it's so high that they get hit on the road, and we have a lot of car accidents around uh. here. And, and that is what, I guess, is why Kansas and them and the fishing game is trying to manage these herds. And that's why we take out a few and harvest them every year to keep the population down, or, or we'd have car wrecks all the time. Yeah. It would be bad. It's very bad enough how many there are. So does everybody, so you're 14, does does everybody, do all 14-year-olds in Kansas hunt, or, or are you pretty typical, or, are you, or is it unusual? Do all your friends and, and schoolmates, do they all hunt, or, or are, you, are you unique? It's mostly a little bit older than 14, and if it is 14, most of them are boys. But that, that's kind of like why I like hunting. I kind of like showing people that you can hunt at a young age and yeah. you can be boy or girl, but you, like it's my fourth year um, harvesting a deer and last year I shot a pretty nice 12 point buck. <laughs> yeah, her buck last year was 12 points and he was six on each side and had a little kicker and he scored a gross of 178, so he was a really nice buck. Wow. She shot a buck every year. That was what cracked me up is every year she shot a buck, and wow. it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm, I told I her now she's going to have to start doing something new because uh, take her it's fishing. Hard to beat this one. Yeah. Okay, so you. Bringing up bow hunting now. Oh there yeah, that's making it difficult. Hey, what what did you shoot? What was your weapon of choice? Yeah, that's a good question. I shot a a um, two seventy savage axis nice. rifle, and it didn't knock you on your butt. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since you were ten, you've used a two seventy, right? Holy moly! No, no, no. I started out with a two forty three. Okay. This was my first year shooting the two seventy. You like it? I, Yes, I do. After I saw the deer on the trail cam pictures, I was like, I think I might want to shoot him the 270 and make sure he goes down. <laughs> so, now, Dad, how come, uh, by the way, great job, Dad. Absolutely. Congratulations. Uh, why why right. did you start your kids out hunting, and, and why did you start them out uh, at, at the age of I'd say, on average, maybe a little younger than normal um, or than average. What, 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 what's, what, what's the yeah, What was your motivation? What was your motivation? Okay. Well, uh, we're a hunting family. I've grown up hunting. My dad took us hunting. We've all hunted. Uh, my wife, she hunts as well. Her family's all big hunters. Uh, the deer was harvested on land that her family owns. And so it's kind of a family thing we do every year. And in Kansas, you can get your hunter safety card when you're 11. Wow. So you can start hunting actually in Kansas when you're 7 if you have an adult with you. But at 11, you can take your hunter safety card and you can start hunting. So I'm also, I also teach hunter safety uh, with fishing game. I'm also uh, I'm a county extension agent and I deal with 4-H youth program. And we have shooting sports in that program. And we teach kids firearm safety. We teach them how to shoot. Uh, they can go into competition shooting. Paisley shoots competition now. And she's been shooting that since she was seven years old. Well, let me put it this way. If you start getting a lot of Californians coming your way, (laughs) don't be calling us up and yelling and hollering and screaming that these lunatics in California came your way. 
<laughs> All right. Hey, you guys. Merry Christmas. Keep up the good work. I can't wait to talk to you guys next year. Maybe you can break that big number right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Well, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and unfortunately, the justice system just may not be on your side. And if you have taken training, then you know you should have coverage for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shields is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year, with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Guess what? Gun Owners Radio listeners, you can get a free U.S. Law Shield t-shirt when you join. Use promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO at uslawshield.com. By the way, if you're watching us on YouTube, do me a favor, smack that like and hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to tell your friends we're on. Because, man, I tell you what, the show just gets better. Mr. Dramisi, why do you need a gun? Great question. I so, thought you uh, liked that. <laughs> so I thought I'd address this week a question that a lot of us get. Um, you know, why do you need a gun and what are you afraid of? That's usually how uh, mm-hmm. how you get it. Oh, yeah. And um, you get it, actually, I was thinking from two groups of people, really. Remember a couple of weeks ago we had uh, Dan, Dan Was. Yeah, I was on here, and he he's written a series of books. I guess the uh, good good gun, bad guy. I think right. it is. And um, so I just read the first one, and I just I'll have uh, the second part. I guess is coming tomorrow. Um, but he breaks it up into two kinds of groups of people. He talks about Second Amendment people or anti Second Amendment people and anti gunners. And he describes anti Second Amendment people as the people that that just. Um, just want you disarmed. It's all with them. It's not about safety or anything like that. It's about power and control. And uh, similar my to my uh, pandemic files we talked about last week. Right. But um, it's all about power and control with them. And um, when they ask you that question, you know, what are you afraid of? Why do you have to have a gun? It's you know, there really isn't. Um, they're not. They're not concerned with your answer. They don't. They're not really asking why, and they don't really want to learn anything. They're just using it more as a way, you know, to attack you and um to attack you know your rights and there probably isn't a good i mean the the only response really to that those kinds of people is um you know just don't be defensive about it and um you know make it clear that your rights aren't negotiable 
And um, so, I mean, really, that's the best you could do with that group. But the other group, the uh, what he calls the anti-gunners, um, these are people that, you know, have been immersed in this, this anti-gun um, propaganda and stuff that's been going on in this country for, what, the last 50 years or so. Um, you know, and they, they've just been told that, you know, guns are evil, gun owners are evil. And realistically, if you think about um, people that don't own guns, uh, they get all their information really from the media, either, you know, through entertainment or through news or that kind of stuff. And, you know, most of that stuff is negative. Um, a lot of it's incorrect. Um, a lot of it's intentionally incorrect. So, you know, when you get that question from those kinds of people, um, a lot of times they just don't know, you know, and they're just, you have an opportunity here to, uh, to help them out and learn from that. So, um, you know, that's kind of what I was focusing on. And you hear that question uh, a lot. You've probably gotten that question, Michael. I get it a lot, you know, and honestly, um, and I, I say this, uh, you know, it kind of sounds snarky, but in all seriousness, and I don't think that a, a lot of people that ask the question understand this answer, but one of my biggest fears, you know, what am I afraid of? Why do I need a gun? What am I afraid of? One of my biggest fears is the inability to own a gun. That's one of the things I fear, okay. which leads me to own a gun. You know what I mean? They don't understand that. You know, the, the it's that losing that right is is my biggest fear. Yeah. Well, what about if you told them, "How would you like me to take away your car?" Yeah, and it's well, it's the same kind of thing. You can't. It's, nobody's gonna. I mean, when you look at these old people out there driving because they don't want their car taken away. <laughs> yeah, that's a, not a bad analogy there. Because with um. You know, the thing about what are you afraid of? You know, generally, we live in a pretty safe country. Um, you know, you, you got a pretty good chance of going through your whole life without really experiencing violent crime or something like that. But having said that, your chances are not, you know, it's not a one in a million chance. It's actually a lot less than that. It's, um, and I referenced the, uh, the site um, or where the information comes from in the article, but you got about a one in 254 chance. So about... One in every 254 people uh, and, are going to end their lives uh, by murder. And that number may not be correct with as many criminals as the states are letting loose, either due to COVID or, or what other reason. Mm -hmm. So I'll bet you that number is totally maybe even off a little bit. Yeah, it may be going up. Uh, there's a great website called Just Facts that I found a couple of years ago, and it's run by a couple of engineers so, uh, so I trust it being an engineer because I know engineers don't lie. Oh, you know, heck no. <laughs> managers lie like dogs, but engineers don't lie. <laughs> and um, so they've got, and they address a whole bunch of issues. Gun control stuff is one of them, but they've got everything they mention or reference up there is all cited. So you could see just where they're getting the information. You can make your own decisions. But the other um, interesting uh, number that way too, and, and like I said, we live in a reasonably safe country. But uh, they say over 80% of the people in this country, I think it's like 82%, will be either the victims of uh, a completed violent attack or an attempted violent attack throughout their life. So sometime wow. over that 75 years or so. So, you know, I think the difference with gun owners, and especially with people that carry concealed uh, regularly, is that I think we're more aware of that kind of stuff. It's not that we're afraid of stuff, but I think it's, we're more aware than um, maybe non-gun owners about, you know, our environment and what's out there. And the best analogy I think I've heard with this, you know, about why do you carry, why do you think you need a gun is um, with seatbelts. It's, you know, like every time I get in my truck and I drive somewhere, I put my seatbelt on. I'm not afraid of getting in an accident. I'm not expecting to be in an accident, but I always put the seatbelt on because I understand that, okay, it's not likely I'm going to get in an accident, but accidents happen every day to people. 
And it could happen to me. And I know that if I had the seatbelt on, uh, my chances of surviving that are much greater, much more significantly or more significantly greater. <laughs> so I always do that. And if I were to drive, like if I were to ask you guys, um, you know, hey, drive home today without the seatbelt on. Mm -mm. And, you know, you could do it, but you would be aware of it and you'd be uncomfortable with it. Because I know I would if I, if I drove home like that. And it's the same thing with, you know, carrying a gun. I mean, I'm not expecting to be attacked. I'm not expecting to run into a criminal or anything like that. But um, if you leave your gun at home, I, I am aware of it and I feel weird. Like yeah. uh, for me personally, I try not to go places where I can't carry. Right. And I don't like, I, I avoid those places. If I have to go to one, I don't like it. It just makes like me If you have to go to DMV, you'll do it online. Yeah, like I go to our, our local winery uh, less now because <laughs> I uh, can't carry up there. Actually, you can carry at the DMV. Can't carry at the post office, though. Oh, yeah, Just really? let everybody yeah. know. Which is another weird thing. I have to, uh, <laughs> we should address that again sometime, too. As I've written about the gun-free zones before because it's, you know, on top of being a magnet for these, these wackos and these crazy people, it's like when I go to the post office, and I wrestle with this every time I go, I'm only going to run in there. Do I have to? And then I always, all right. So I, I'm sitting in my truck. I've got to... I've got to quietly, I guess, take the gun out of my holster, put it in the other little holster I keep with me, put it in the vault, lock it up, go in there for 30 seconds, run back out, and I've got to do the same thing all over again. You're forcing me to manipulate the gun for no reason, to load a gun out there, and it's you know it's slightly more dangerous for me to have to do that. Well, one of the so you were, I think you're absolutely right. People that ask that question aren't necessarily. I think ninety percent of them are not really looking to have a, a true discussion. They're not really looking for right. a sincere answer. Um, but I think it's important to, uh, when you answer them, not to, you know, throw a bunch of statistics on them, yeah. not to, you know, from my cold, dead hands. Yeah, you know, see, and, that's, that, you and we've had this discussion before, too, because when I first got involved in this and got into it, again, being an engineer and, and being a teacher, you know, okay, facts. If you just give them the facts, they'll be okay. And, uh, and I used to do that at work, too, and it, it doesn't work with managers and it, it doesn't work with anti-gun people because it's, it's an emotional argument that they're making for the most part. So, yeah. you know, depending on who you're dealing with, if you're dealing with the anti-Second Amendment people, that's just an emotional, right. I want you disarmed for power and control thing. So it doesn't matter. They don't care about facts. They don't even know and, why they want you disarmed. You know, I, I carry a gun because I care about you. And if anybody attacks you while I'm with you, I want to make sure that you survive. Well, and the other big thing, too, is, you know, a lot of, especially with a concealed carry, I mean, I, I go way out of my way to try to learn about how crime and that stuff happens so I can avoid being in the situation in the first place. But if I do end up in the situation, at least I have an alternative rather than begging a criminal for mercy. Oh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> All right, folks, you're listening to Gun Owners Radio. And by the way, that was an awesome segment. Oh, good, good. Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. There's more Gun Owners Radio with Dave, Joe, and Michael to come on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, educating you on your Second Amendment right. Now, here are your hosts of Gun Owners Radio, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, we want to big a shout out to Ghost Hammer. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Tell your friends and keep banging on that like button and sharing it doing all that we truly appreciate it all right prmi mortgage boy go to p 
primeres.com slash backslash alpine for home mortgage interest rates have dropped they have and if you're looking to buy refi or if you're considering a reverse mortgage call our local mortgage guy that you can trust that's chris wiley at prmi mortgage for nearly 25 years chris has been helping local san diegans with all their mortgage needs give chris a call at 619-722-1303 or just go to primeres.com backslash alpine all right uh this is uh we're going to talk to john sivers south bay rod and gun club right yeah you ever been to south bay yes i have have, have you been joe i have not no i've not been down there uh, very very nice uh yeah club. very nice very very uh, uh well kept and a lot of really great people yep. john are you there i am here hi guys how you doing john i'm doing great so tell us a little bit about south bay rod and gun club for those who aren't familiar is it open to the public where is it located give us some of the some of the highlights no problem our address is 1020 Marone Valley Road, which is in the beautiful downtown Del Zura, California. So and when you ask where is Del Zura, it's uh, east of 94, east on 94 past Hamul. So we're about 20 minutes from uh, Chula Vista. We're about 40 minutes from downtown San Diego. Uh, we've been around for quite a while. The, the club was formed back in 1955. Uh, we purchased the current property out there at that location back in 1969 and got our major use permit from the county for operation, I think, in 1974. So we've been there for probably, um, what, 56 or 40, 46 years now wow. in that location. Yeah. And what, so, what do you guys do? Talk, if it's a, it's a range, but it's a membership range. So right. how does that work for the public? If I want to go there and shoot, um, what are the ways I can do that? Anybody is welcome to come out anytime. Uh, we're open basically every day except uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're generally open from uh, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., uh, seven days a week. During the uh, summer months, like uh, June through uh, August, we stay open till 5 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. And you can come out, and right now we're back to using day-use fee. It's $30 to come out and just shoot for the day. Uh, a membership for a uh, person under 62 is $125 a year. Uh, if you're 62 or older or active duty military, it's $100, and that gets you a full 12-month membership, unlimited use of the range facilities. And when they get out there, when you talk about the facilities, what are they going to find? Can they shoot pistol, rifle, shotgun, or...? Good question. We have uh, we have five ranges at, that's active right now. Uh, range one is a 35-yard pistol range. Range two is a 50-yard pistol range. Range three is a 100-yard rifle picks, rifle and pistol mixed use. Uh, range five is our trap range, where you can shoot trap uh, normally 16 yards. And range six is our long-range range. We have fixed target stands at 50 yards, 100 yards, 200, and 300 yards. So that's the furthest you can shoot at our range is 300 yards. And I think you guys are all volunteers, right? Do you have any paid staff? Uh, well, we have a caretaker that's a paid staff. But for the range officers, we have about 250 volunteer range wow. safety officers. All of them are members of the club. All of them volunteer their time. Uh, we're always looking for more range safety officers, by the way, for those of you who are interested in that. Uh, we will train you. Uh, we'll train you there on the range itself. And after you've been a range officer for a brief period of time, we'll even put you through the NRA 
range safety officer class and get you certified with the NRA. Which is very, very cool. And you, is Don Gussler, is he still involved? Yes, Don Gussler is still our president. I'm the business manager and the uh, treasurer of the club. Hey, we should uh, send him Joe. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Since you <laughs> yeah, haven't been there should. before. Rain. No, I haven't. And the, you know, the only reason is because I discovered uh, the Lemon Grove Rod and Gun Club first yeah, but, before I knew anything. Yeah, but they're not in Lemon Grove. Up. They're not in Lemon no, Grove. No, they're not. Go to Del Sur. That's <laughs> At least they know where they're at. <laughs> At least they're properly named. Yeah, I hate that. Don is one of the uh, most knowledgeable guys you're going to find when it comes to uh, ranges, range development, range safety. Uh, I, just truly a... Uh, so this is where your nephew will be at his age? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Don, Don Gussler is, is one of the... Uh, well, on a great uh, FFL, too, if you the, need that. Truly. That's where I get my gun sent to. A treasure here in San Diego. So it's I'm I'm really glad that he continues to be involved with uh, South Bay Rod and Gun Club because you guys are fantastic. So you guys are running into a little bit of a problem. Um, after being there for, whatever, 50 years plus, all of a sudden it's decided that you need drinking water. Is that what's going on? Well, it's uh, ever since we've had a major use permit, one of the conditions is that we're supposed to have, quote, unquote, a water system. Well, back in 74, a water system just meant, well, you dig a well. Uh, a few, well, 10, 12 years ago, after a big fire, uh, nitrates in well water became an issue all over the East County. And because we are open to the public, the uh, county uh, required us to, you know, start going into this whole new realm of having we are now a a non-transient public water system which means that we get to pay them money every year for the the uh, uh, you know for the ability to pump water out of the ground Uh, the nitrate level in our well has been climbing and is now past the uh, the safe threshold and back in the day you know we've got a well that's 260, 280 feet deep, something like that. Now, we are, in order to comply with current regulations, we're going to have to dig a much deeper well, uh, 800,000 feet deep. We're going to have to seal the first couple hundred feet of our well just so that um, the nitrates, which are coming in from fertilizers and everything else up on the surface, won't infiltrate and contaminate our well so that we can go all the way down to a deep aquifer and draw up really clean water. And all of this because we have a couple flush toilets and uh, hand-washing stations. Right. Let me give you, you a tip, John. A friend of mine, I won't mention any names, but he had an issue with teeth, and he did a GoFundMe page. Mm-hmm. He raised $56,000 for his teeth. So I highly recommend you guys whip out one of them GoFundMe pages, and you might be surprised. I am so glad you said that because you know what? We have a, go, a GoFundMe well, page. There you love go. love for people to just go right on there and click on there and donate some money. What's it uh, called? It, it's, uh, it's called South Bay Rod and Gun Club Well Fund. So, can they find the link on your website? Uh, yes, they can. There is a link on our website. Mm-hmm. And uh, our website, just so you know, is www.sb, like South Bay, rgc like rodgunclub.org, O-R-G. So what happens if you just say, hey, you know what, county, we're not doing that? Uh, well, Michael, you and I have worked with the county long enough to I think we know the answer to that question. Uh, 
We're, we're not going to try that. But, yeah, but uh, they, why poke the bull? Well, what I'm saying, the point I'm trying to get across is this is not an option. The county is going yeah. to come in and shut you down. Right. That is correct. So, they will. So when people, th- th- this isn't a luxury. They don't just want, you know, refreshing water, uh, you know, uh, more available. For all the club members. Yeah, this is the county saying, hey, you know what? I, it, look, this is me talking. Uh, this is my opinion from my experience, but this is the county saying, all right, ah, what can we do to, shut to harass down. this this uh, range a little bit? Well, we got to make sure that they, uh, you know, uh, you know, live up to every single letter of every single regulation and law. So if you guys don't do this, if you don't come up, how much money is it going to take to build, build a or dig a thousand foot well? <laughs> right now, our budget is about $150,000. Yeah. So if you don't come up with $150,000 to dig a thousand foot well, um, you'll get shut down. And, and it's not just digging the well. He has to be able to not only dig below where he's at, but he has to seal off what's above it and that's where the cost factor is coming in poking a hole in the ground is not all that bad but it's all the infrastructure that you have to instill and a testing system so that the county can come out and look at it whenever they want that is correct so if you're listening and you're wondering you know gee should i uh should i go on my uh, computer right now and give 10 or 100 bucks or whatever you yes. can afford do it this is extremely important. One hundred fifty thousand dollars is a lot of money that they have to raise, and this is not. Again, this isn't. You know, they're not. They're not just going to paint their uh, facility a, a prettier color here. This is crucial to their operation. And if you're out there and you own a well business and you're a shooter, you need to contact these people. Well, that's a good idea. Why not donate it? It'll put, I'll bet you, you guys will put his name on the on the weld, right? You you bet, and we'll put them on our web page and everything else. When you when you go to our home page, we have a video tour uh, right there that you can click on, and uh, we had a drone come out. We give you a little aerial tour so you can see what our facility looks like, look at our ranges. Right below there, it says, we need you. We need a new well. For more information, click here. We've raised about $3,300 so far, but we are still far ways away from the 150,000 that we do need. Well, let's yes, get we this appreciate the help. Let's get this done quick, but yeah. but what is a timeline? Like how long how long is the county giving you to do this? We're working with them right now trying to come up with a under the sink filtration system that might buy us a couple more years uh-huh. uh, just so that we could do it, but we're still working with the county this uh you know this nitrate issue is something that's all over california a lot of uh, a lot of places are having this problem we're just the ones right now here in san diego that have got this problem but and, there's not a there's not a nice easy off-the-shelf answer for a filtration system right. the real long-term answer and even if they allow us to do this filtration system which is a few thousand dollars it would only buy us so much time right. to allow us to raise more money because the ultimate answer is to drill the well. Exactly. And I, like you said, John, I've dealt with, with them a lot. Now, John, I, I know that you and every member of South Bay Rod and Gun Club would say that the county is wonderful and you enjoy working with them and they're all professionals. So I don't, I don't want that. That's, that's true. That's you guys. My opinion, they it, look, if you guys were running a spotted owl and baby seal petting zoo, you would have every exception you know, and every bit of help they could possibly give. Sure. But the fact that you're a gun range uh, makes them, in my experience, in my personal opinion, uh, far less likely to work with you, give you exceptions, cut you some slack, you know, help you out. They're a target. Sort of 
So I again, I just really want to uh, appeal to everybody out there. Please go to their website, make a donation. Uh, go back next month, make another donation. Uh, let's we got to get them one hundred and fifty thousand yeah. bucks, and we got to do it quick. And if I get fifty thousand for somebody's teeth. I don't even know what that. I'm going to ask you about that off the air. Yeah, you'll have to. I don't know what the hell that even means. (laughs) (laughs) All right, hey, we're going to take. Hey, thanks a lot, John. I might be giving you a call. By the way. Hey, no problem. We'd love to see you guys out there, Michael. As always, we we love working with San Diego County gun owners, and uh, we we've supported you with other things in the past. We're looking forward to being around to support you guys going into the future. Thank you, John, buddy. All right, hey, folks, we're going to take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1 AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170, The Answer. Our show needs your help. We live in a state where your self-defense rights are quickly eroding. Let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy things that you can do. One, like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Parler, Spotify, the podcast, wherever you can find your podcast, and whatever way you like to listen to our show. And do us a favor and share the show with at least one friend thanks for tuning in and remember today we will win okay before we talk to michael about the the santee election follow-up that he stood there diligently for hours on end with his beady eyes looking down on those people making sure they were counting correctly how would you like to learn to become a better self-defense or a better better well become a better self-defender easy for you to say i know with john korea Now's your chance at Cover Your Asp Week in San Diego. If you are a San Diegan, Riverside, San Bernardino, or Orange County gun owners member, check your email to dis- for discounted codes. Early bird discounts have been extended through the end of the year, and that's right around the corner. Training makes a great Christmas gift for the gun owner and your family. So links to register are at the gunownersradio.com, gunownersradio.com website. Check them out. Cover your what? Asp. <laughs> We're getting a lot of feedback about John Korea. People are excited about yeah, him coming really. out. So if you want to train with him, there's a lot of opportunities. It's very, very cool. So check it out. So how to go down at the... So we talked a little bit about this last week. I wanted to report back and, and really kind of go into depth and tell you exactly what happened. What happened was last week, uh, well, uh, a couple weeks ago, they finalized the count for the election, finally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dustin Trotter, who is a fantastic guy, a big supporter of Second Amendment issues, was running for city council in Santee. And if there is ever anybody that deserved to be on the Santee City Council, it's Dustin Trotter. Right. He is a huge part of the community. He's lived there, I think, his, his entire life. You know, I know he went to high school there. Um, and he is uh, he doesn't just live there. It's who he is. I mean, he uh, heads up the Santee Santas. He's uh, been involved in, in veterans issues. Even though he's not a veteran, uh, he wants to make sure the local veterans have a place to to, to meet, have a drink, tell a story. Um, so he's he's been a huge part of the community. He even goes to, I, I think he's been to every single city council meeting. I mean, he's always there. He's involved. Um, really, really great guy. He was the second member 
of San Diego County gun owners when we started. Uh, this guy puts his money where his mouth is. Really, really fantastic guy. Um, beautiful family. Uh, absolutely deserved it. Couldn't have been more proud to support him and to promote his campaign. He won by five votes. Five votes, which was uh, amazing. Um, he should have won by more. But the story is there's a there's a new neighborhood in uh, West Santee that was actually built on San Diego City property. So Santee had nothing to say about it. Um, they built this property right across the street from Santee's, right across the street from West Hills High School, which is in Santee. But it was, uh, yeah. but it was still on San, uh, San Diego property. After it was built, San Diego said, "Okay, it's yours." Uh, and uh, boom, they had to, you know, all the, uh, you know, water and garbage and everything. It all boom, all went to to Santee. Um, well, part of the problem was it was built up on a hill, and, mm-hmm. and they didn't take into account uh, the fact that there was going to be a lot of runoff into some of the houses, and it was it was a little bit of a mess. It was a little bit of a disaster, and all the surrounding neighbors were were livid. They were livid, so it kind of kicked off um, uh, a little bit of a uh, an anti development um, mentality mentality in Santee. Mm-hmm. that was already there because they're, they're trying to build another neighborhood, Finita Ranch, but that really, really you know sparked it off. Well, Dustin is in construction, so the far left got a anti gun uh, candidate to run. Um, and she promised them the sun, the moon, and stars. You know, there wasn't going to ever be another anything built in Santee ever again. Mm. Uh, she was promising things that she could not deliver on. Uh, and uh, But the, the horrible thing is she had just moved to Santee. Guess what neighborhood she moved into? That new one. <laughs> the new one that sparked off all the, uh, the hatred yeah. towards, uh, towards development. So because she was promising people things that she just simply could not deliver on and because they were, uh, you know, frankly upset with how all that was handled. So the, the Santee city council was kind of, kind of hamstrung and, and the San Diego city council just kind of dumped this problem in their lap. I mean, it was really, uh, really kind of a, kind of an ugly thing. So Dustin only won by five votes. So what happened is the democratic party, uh, which is very unusual. Usually it's the candidate who says, Hey, I want a recount. In fact, I think it's supposed to be the candidate that says, hey, I want the recount. But the Democratic Party said, oh, we're, we want to do this recount. Um, and we, we they got the candidate involved. And boom, they funded this recount. Now, they were very, very clear. They didn't suspect fraud. They didn't suspect that there was some kind of mistake made. Okay, But they wanted to have this recount. What that means is they wanted to see all the ballots. And they wanted to see if they could you know, do, through a technicality, kick some out so that Dustin, you know, they wanted to capture six votes. So he would lose. So he would lose. So they wanted it. So again, they, they didn't, it wasn't fraudulent votes that they were looking for. How could you ask for a recount if you, if, if you don't suspect fraud? Well, they can ask for a recount for any reason. They just have to fund it. Oh. Well, and, it turned, and, that turned into a double win too, because not only did Dustin stay the winner, but it cost the uh, the Democrats. So uh, they had a bunch to, of money. For they that. had to fork over yeah, thirty thousand yeah. bucks. Now here's what happened. You blew the plot. Oh, did I blow the plot? <laughs> I was on the edge of my chair waiting to see how it, you just popped my bubble. No, 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 no. Slightly ahead of my time. So yes, that's okay. That's okay. So they wrote a check for thirty thousand uh, bucks. They did the recount. The recount was supposed to last three days. Uh, it ended up lasting one day because it was so obvious 
that uh, they weren't going to recapture or, or in one day. One day, we went through and counted thousands, recounted thousands of votes in one day. Now, I wanted to explain to people because I didn't know this is my first recount. I wanted to explain to people exactly what it was and and some of the things that I saw. What what a recount is is they actually had four people sitting at a table, kind of in a in a circle in a square, really. Two of them had stacks of ballots in front of them. Two of them had a had a little chart in front of them. Myself, as, as the representative from Dustin Trotter's team, uh, was on one side. Next to me was a representative from the Democratic side, mm-hmm. and then on the other side there was there were two other uh, you know representatives, Trotter and and the other uh, the other candidate. So what happened is one person, one of the you know uh, county officials. Would, would grab a ballot and hold it up. They'd say, new ballot. And they'd hold the ballot up so we could both see the ballot. And they'd say, you know, Trotter or Hearst, whoever whoever it was. And then they'd put it down. That other person would confirm that that was a fact. And then the other two people on the other side would put a little tick mark and say, okay, Trotter. So there was it was all double. Wow. You know, it was very, very thorough. Um, so I got to sit there and I get to see – Hundreds, and I think I, I kind of lost count because that wasn't part of what I was doing. I wasn't actually counting. I was just observing to see, you know. Uh, but part of what uh, I got to see was was hundreds and probably thousands of votes. And it was really fascinating seeing a ballot for, for thousands of people. You couldn't see the name, but I could see, okay, this person voted for – you know, this person for Congress, this person for president, this person for judge. Oh. It was fascinating. And if you saw somebody, you know, say, hey, I, I want to question that, then they'd pull it out and they'd, you know, question it later. The only one I and, – and if it was – they put it into stacks. These, this is the Dustin Trotter stack and this is the the opponent stack. So as it was going with Dustin Trotter, I didn't really have to pay as close attention because I knew they were all for Dustin Trotter and I certainly wasn't going to try to – try to, uh, uh, you know, disqualify a Dustin Trotter vote. Mm-mm. So I was looking at the rest of the ballots, and it was really fascinating to see, you know, I saw people that voted for Biden and ISA. I saw people that voted, you know, straight Democratic ticket and Paul Starita, who was the, the Republican candidate for judge. I saw people that voted for Trump and uh, Campanajar. I saw people, I mean, it was, it was, it was really, really strange how people really aren't as uh, married to you know uh, left or right political parties or left or right. Wow. I, I saw people that voted for Trump and you know and and this per- Hearst, you know this 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 person who was running. How do you? I don't understand. You know, they're they're absolutely opposed. But to didn't each other. you see all the ballots that just said Joe Biden? Not one. So I was getting there too. You're stealing all my thunder, Joe. <laughs> well, that's so that's what he does. Time over here. <laughs> that's what he does. So, so that's the other thing, Joe. I didn't see a lot, a lot of people uh, maybe don't understand why this is significant. But Joe, how many ballots in Wisconsin? There were like sixty thousand ballots that were just for Biden. They didn't vote for any down ticket. Yeah, and there weren't any. I don't think that said just Trump either. Which is, um, I don't know. I, I don't. Curious. Good question. I didn't see a single. I was kind of curious. How many people just go in, vote for president, and walk out? I'm, I'm sure there's some people that do that, but I, I didn't I see know, one. Tens of thousands. Everybody voted a mixed bag. Everybody. And nobody vote. You need to see one Biden vote. Oh no, no, no I did. Well, no, no, no. What oh, I'm saying I thought is, you said you didn't. I didn't see a ballot that just had oh. Biden or just had Trump, and they didn't vote for Congress. Oh, or, I thought you didn't. Yeah. No, 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 no. I saw a lot of people that voted for Biden. I saw a lot of people that voted for Trump. But you would think that if you voted for Trump, what about you, Rocky? 
Sh- uh, um, De La Fuente. I don't think I. I don't oh, remember. His you're name. kidding me. Everybody either voted for the little guy didn't get a vote. <laughs> but I didn't. It was very very interesting. So you would think that if someone voted for Trump, Trump is such a polarizing guy, right? That you'd vote the whole ticket. You would think. You know, or if you voted for Biden, you you would think that hey, they'd vote for everybody that vote that that agrees with Biden. Wasn't the case. Truly, wasn't the case. Wow. Now, what does that tell you, me? And especially, by the way, the further down ticket you got, what does that tell me? It tells me that especially further down ticket, it doesn't really matter what the registration is. You know, we're all worried that oh, gee, Democrats out out register us, you know, by a huge margin. Doesn't really matter. Uh, people, you know, if they shake somebody's hand, if they know somebody who's recommending somebody, or if there is a particular issue that's important to them, they will vote down ticket on those issues. You know, hey, I met this guy, you know, I don't care if he's a Republican, Democrat, whatever. I don't care if he agrees with Trump or whatever. I met him. I'm going to vote for him. Or, hey, this other friend that trust that I trust, he says or she says to vote for him. Or I really care about guns. Therefore, I'm going to vote for so-and-so for city council or, or whatever. Anyway, it was fascinating. If you're listening, Dustin, congratulations again. You won twice in, you know, in two weeks, which is fantastic. And uh, really look forward to your leadership. So, so did they have a number this time, or was it just so close they didn't even bother? They didn't, well, they didn't finish. They just said, this is ridiculous. We're stopping. And they, they didn't even finish. My guess, by the way, is that is the Democrats spent you know twenty thousand or whatever fifteen thousand yeah. dollars and raised forty thousand off this issue. Oh, I see. So they did it mainly just to raise. I, yeah, yeah, I got. You. That's my guess. I don't, no, you're I don't probably right. Numbers. You're probably right. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, man. That was that was a good segment, Mister Bubble Popper over there. <laughs> Gun Owners Radio. Just trying to ninety six. Get up the breast. Amble seventy. <laughs> the answer. Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, a big shout out to Mr. Fuchs. See, I knew it. See that? I knew it. <laughs> what was his name again? Robert Fukushima. See, you got me. If you hadn't have said nothing, I'd been fine. Appreciate you listening in, bud. Hope you enjoy the show. Uh, if you go to uh, org, you get a free hat. That's right. That's right, because I screwed it up. Yeah. Oh, no, then everybody's going to be sending me their name spelled wrong, and they're going to have to end up giving away all that. We'll figure it. Hey, we are so proud to have the Firearms Policy Coalition as a partner. Firearms Policy Coalition has been on fire filing a ton of lawsuits here in California and across the nation to protect your Second Amendment. Together, we are working on all levels to restore your self-defense right so we need you to join Firearms Policy Coalition right now. People, they are making things happen. FPC just filed a petition for the Holloway versus Barr case to be heard by the Supreme Court. This could be the first Second Amendment case heard by the Supreme Court in over a decade. They need your help. Become a member today by visiting their website at firearmspolicy.org. All right, we're going to stump the man uh hey sam how you doing buddy great how are you guys i live in the dream hey we got a question from michelle nope from- nope nope different different question oh 
what's on my oh the minute yeah, yeah, yeah. i step on your toes you no, change the no it wasn't me it was it was management joe. management made us change the question you mean joe stuck his nose in it again no no no. this was rich this is oh i was gonna say i'm this. not even sure this might not even be fair it's a it's a it's a christmas related question oh. now sam how many christmases have you celebrated in your life <laughs> Zero. Yeah. So this might. <laughs> this is not. Hey, that's rich. That well, is really mean. Well, we're, we're three days away from Festivus. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Maybe right, that'll Sam. help. Well, here we go. What's go ahead. Well, who's this is from? Uh, who's this from? I don't know. It's, I was rich and Chula Vista. I think. Hey, wait. Before you ask, does it have something to do with Die Hard? No. <laughs> no I did that no. last year. No. Did watch that the other day though. Yeah. Got to watch that for Christmas. All right, Joe's got. So, am I reading this? Yeah. Yeah. Fire away. Okay. So let's see. So you ready, Sam? Let's have it. All right. In a Christmas story, Ralphie Parker wants a genuine Red Rider BB gun. What was the difference um, between the version in the movie and the one sold to the public by Daisy? Um, well, first of all, I don't know if this strictly falls within the purview of firearms. <laughs> um, but I, I'm really not well-versed on BB guns. Um, I don't know the answer. My guess is that it was just a different model that they used in the movie. Like the one in the movie didn't have uh, didn't have the compass in the stock or something. So even a wild guess, right? <laughs> Rich, is, so Rich is beside himself with anger. That's, that's the truth. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Go buy a lotto ticket, will you? I got another question for you. Since you're on a roll and you just uh, you just buried Rich over there, which is totally. Awesome. <laughs> I aim to please. <clears throat> All right. So Michelle writes in. Here's here's the other question. This is a non. Oh, that's mine. This is the non uh, the non Christmas one. Dave's gonna no. Ask go ahead. I just non- put it away. Oh, okay. It's all yours, son. Uh, so Michelle from San Diego, she wants to know what was the first fully automatic shotgun. Not fully semi-automatic, but fully automatic shotgun. The first fully automatic shotgun. You know, I I don't know. Um, but your guess is? My <laughs> guess is, well, I, I know the AA-12 is, is a pretty well-known one, but I don't know if that was the first. That was the first. Yeah. Unbelievable. See, I told you. The Come AA-12, on. originally known as the Atchison Assault Shotgun. You know, how much do you know about the AA-12? Can you give us a little uh, one-two on the AA-12? Yeah, I know a little bit about it. Um, it's mechanically pretty interesting. It um, It's said to be almost recoilless when using the correct type of ammunition because its operating me- mechanism is something called advanced primer ignition blowback, where the primer is detonated as the shell and the bolt are still traveling forward into the chamber. Um, and so if a system like that is balanced properly, the, uh, the recoil impulse of the, uh, of, of the shell going off slows the bolt down to a stop. And so the bolt just sort of bounces back and forth between its forwardmost extent of travel and rearmost extent of travel. I don't, I don't think I really explained that in a, in a very good way. If you go online and look up a diagram, it makes a lot more sense. But uh, some some auto cannons work that way, and and the AA-12 does too. Joe's the only one qualified to understand what you said, anyway. So uh, right, I think you <laughs> right, Joe, right, Dave, right, Dave. Exactly, exactly. Well, great job, man. Awesome so, job. So just to let everybody know again, this is Sam, my nephew. 
Uh, every week we have a segment called Stump My Nephew. That's right. Uh, Sam the Gunman comes on. If you, you can send in a question. Uh, if we use it on the air, you get uh, some uh, really cool uh, prizes. If you stump him, you get a front site membership, which allows you to get training for life from front site resorts in Nevada. So, and that's a big ticket item, folks. So, so go to gunownersradio.com, submit a question, and well, let's try to stump this guy. And he does not ever, ever know the question ahead of time. No. Never. And we can prove that. Yeah, I mean, he just answered a question about BB guns and Christmas. Neither one does he know anything about. <laughs> and then he did. He thought he'd answer one about the second question. He just had a little bit of information. That's right. That was a volume. Yeah. Did you get anything cool for Hanukkah? Um, yeah, yeah, I got some cool stuff. Um, there's always, uh, we call it socks and underwear night, um, but yeah. being an Eagle Scout and an avid hiker and Someone who has to stand all day at work. Uh, I certainly appreciate nice padded socks. Oh, of course. Is, it, is, is I don't know. Do, do we go the full? Is Hanukkah over yet? Or are you still getting presents? Uh, yeah, it's over. So, yeah. did you get anything gun related? No. We're um, oh, gonna have to talk I, to. Uh, I, I, I guess people who give gifts to me have come to the realization that I already know what I want, and I just get it for myself in that world. Uh, that would be a smart move, trust me, because there's nothing worse than getting something you don't want. Because now you have to say, oh, cool. <laughs> was Who just, do I give it to? Oh, I mean. Put that fake smile on. Is, and is there a gun I don't want? I don't know. <laughs> well, I understand exactly where you're coming from, my friend. And in our household, if you want it, go buy it. It's You know, it's always with guns. It's, it's never, it's like, well, yeah, that's the gun I want, but. Yeah, it's, I, I didn't want it in OD green yeah, or in black or yeah. whatever, so I get that. I get it, too, totally. All right. On that note, by the way, uh, for those of you who are doing Christmas shopping uh, for relatives, don't buy guns as gifts. Um, I I mean, I, I sell guns. for my. That's my job. And we always say to people who are saying, like, oh, I want to get my relative something mm. for her birthday or for Christmas, don't do it. Spoiling the surprise is a lot better than getting something that isn't perfect for them. Right. Take them to the store so they can get their hands on all, all the yeah. different firearms and make sure that they get what's right for them. Here, here. And, and you know, Sam, that logic fits with an automobile. Yeah. Well, I love it when a guy comes up to me and says, Hey, Dave, I want to get my wife a F-154 by 4 lifted truck. <laughs> Did she ask for an F-154 <laughs> by four lifted truck? No, but I know that's what I'm going to buy her and she'll love it. Never works. No, Never. Plus he could use it if she doesn't want it. Exactly. <laughs> there's a, uh, I'll tell you, there's two things I do. One is if you're smart guys or mm -hmm. girls, uh, make sure that your spouse has a really good relationship with, with your favorite gun store owner. That's right. number one. Then you can talk to him. Then you can talk to him. He knows what okay? he wants or Num she wants. Right. Number two, one thing that I found uh, that you can do is give a gift certificate from, yep. the, from the shop yep. and make up a little, you know, in Word doc saying, hey, I, I strongly recommend you get this, you know, Springfield 1911. No, 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 no. Just but whatever. But you know what I mean? But I yeah. wasn't sure. So just do that. That's good. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, a surprise lasts five seconds. A firearm, if properly maintained, can, a can last multiple lifetimes. And if you do want to give them something as a surprise, something they can unwrap, magazines, ammunition, mm -hmm. um, gift certificates for training, electronic hearing protection tools, there are all sorts of great things that are gun-related that um, 
someone is guaranteed not to be disappointed in. Because they can always use it. Exactly. Exactly. The more you know. The more you know. (laughs) All right, buddy. Good as always. Have a great week and try to stay warm. Oh, I will. Okay. Keep them socks on. All right. Well, I got to tell you, folks, this has been a... (laughs) been an awesome show 42 point buck out of a 14 year old mike that was cool i like that i like that she Oops. that she said hunting 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 i'm going hunting i'll be out hunting. next thursday all right hey if you're listening on youtube or on our podcast do us a favor hit that like button and subscribe and share this show with as many friends as you can we'd really appreciate it and if you're in the market for any of, of what our sponsors sell please let them know you heard it right here on kcbq Gun Owners Radio. That would be San Diego County Gun Owners. $10 a month. Come on, folks. Get with it. U.S. Law Shield. Cali Key. The Dillon Law Group. Don't do anything without talking to John. A.O. Swart Firearm Store. Firearms Policy Coalition. Go clean those guns. Seal One. PRMI Mortgage. And our newest partner, the National Concealed Carry Association. And we can't thank Michael Schwartz, Joe Tremisi, Sam the Gunman, and our digital master, Brendan Thomas and Rich and his partner, who's that, Ollie? Right here on Shauncey. Shauncey, I was close. Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. <laughs> the answer. I was watching Laurel and Hardy the other day, and it just Ollie just popped like up. Ollie? Yeah. Although he and I should go as Laurel and Hardy. You could. Oh, my God. <laughs> Guess which that, one I would be. I think you'd be yeah. Laurel. <laughs> it's the nicest thing you ever said. Gun Owners Radio, fighting to preserve and restore your Second Amendment rights. Learn more about Gun Owners Radio and how to become a guest or sponsor by visiting gunownersradio.com. Join Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz every week at this same time as they talk guns and Second Amendment rights. Have fun while staying informed and getting involved. sponsored by Dave Stahl.